All right, Will Manso, Clay Ferrer here with the Miami Sports Pod, which is basically just a preview of the Monday Night Football game between the Miami Dolphins and the New Orleans Saints. And Clay, uh, when we saw this game on the schedule and we saw it was a Monday Night game, number one, it's on our air, it's on Local 10, so we knew we'd be busy with a preview show and we'll promote that in a minute. But obviously you being a Saints fan, it was kind of cool, like, okay, the Saints and Dolphins, little did we know, especially maybe, let's say, a month ago, that this would be two teams right in the playoff chase through a COVID decimated season with all the craziness and with a legitimate opportunity to make the playoffs for the winner of this game. Clay, this game all of a sudden is very important. It is. And I remember when we found out that we were going to have this game and we we're going to do a pregame show. And I was so excited because this year as a Saints fan, like, man, it was the year to find out who the successor to Drew Brees was going to be. And I was really excited about all the and things you, you said. You said Ian Book. I remember you said no, Ian Book. Yeah. But, man, I had visions of, like, man, Jameis Winston's been so good in, in camp. And, uh, you know, and even before that, it was like, hey, Michael Thomas against Xavier Howard. And you had these visions of this Saints offensive line that had four Pro Bowl players on it going. And then now it's just this this mishmash of a roster. And I've said this, Will, the roster, especially on offense, that the Saints are going to roll out for this game on Monday night, it's yeah. basically what you would have for the fourth preseason game. If it we were still like, doing four right? preseason if, games a couple of years if, ago. Yeah, it feels like a preseason game in a lot of ways. And the craziness about this COVID season and not, you know, Look, we're used to it by now. Even Sunday, the Dolphins go out and announce that they have an offensive lineman in Kinley and a, and, a, and a wide receiver in Albert Wilson who are unavailable to COVID. It's one of those things where it could come down right to Monday night, right before kickoff, and we're doing our pregame show. And then there's an announcement that, hey, oh, by the way, the this game's, you know, there's there's four more players that are right. out of this game. Again, I joked about Ian Book, but that's your starting quarterback as the Dolphins head of this game. And if you look at the position the Dolphins are in, look, we'll start with that. We'll get into the specifics of the matchup, but we got to start with what the Dolphins have done of late. And what they've done, Clay, is roll off six straight wins. And I don't want to say this looks like a playoff team because I don't even know what the heck a playoff team looks like right now. I think the team that's healthiest and that has some semblance of a roster has a playoff ability. But when you look at what happened Sunday – I mean, everything kind of fell into place with the Patriots, you know, losing, the Chargers getting upset by the Texans, the Chiefs beating up on the Steelers, the Ravens. I mean, all these things that happen, you look at this team and all of a sudden the Dolphins look like a team that not only can make the playoffs, but the path is truly there. What was it that I know it's rolling on the bottom line and it was mentioned by many 99% chance of them making the playoffs if they win their final three games. Yeah, which at this point, I, I think they're going to be, you know, they're obviously favored on Monday night. They weren't until the the, the virus decimated the Saints. And then, you know, you, you see how these last couple of weeks could potentially play out. You're going to have a, a tough game against a, an up-and-down Tennessee team. And then, obviously, you've got the game against the Patriots, who, man, they, they look like they were going to – they were the number one seed just uh, mm-hmm. a couple of weeks ago. And now, hey, they're going to be fighting to make the playoffs as well. So – you know, you're you're looking up and down and you're saying, why not us? And to mm-hmm. go back to what you just said, Will, I don't know what a playoff team looks like in the AFC or the NFC because there are so many teams that I don't even want to call them bad. There's just a lot of mediocre. And it's who's going to be the best or, as you said, the healthiest of the mediocre bunch. And yeah. I, at this point, well, who's good in the NFL? I, I mean, the Packers probably are good. A, I mean, the, who was, yeah, the, the Packers are, are very good. Yeah. Beyond that, are anybody other than the Packers or Chiefs for sure are good at this point? And, and so why not the Dolphins? 
wins and and they're sitting there and yeah you can nitpick each one of their wins and you can say well this didn't look right well they were playing against this team or the but the bottom line is they're winning football games in an era or, or a time of the year when a team that desperately needed a win today went out there and laid an egg against Houston. And so you can't tell me right now that you look back over these last few weeks and you can nitpick these wins anymore because so many teams have oh, no. in playoff position have yeah. lost to bad teams to put themselves in a, in a really bad spot. So credit to the Dolphins and, and really, you know, you say 99th percentile, let's be honest. They went out, they controlled their own destiny. And that's something that, you know, yeah. a few weeks ago, if you had told me that was going to be the case in week 16, would have told you you were nuts. But again, the, the craziness about this in most seasons, and this isn't a regular season in any which way, in most seasons you could sit there and go, well, if they win out, they're good, and you feel good about their chances and this and that, even like, again, with all the losses that the Saints have as far as player and personnel goes for the Monday night game. But there is such a lack of uncertainty. You know, I mean, it, it, you have no certainty, or I should say lack of certainty. There's such right. an uncertainty, excuse me. And every moment of every game, like if you tell me now that two is going to start these final three games and, and the defense is going to be mostly intact, I'll feel pretty pretty good with the Dolphins' chances. But look, last week what happened? You know, all of a sudden you lose Javon Holland, you lose Jalen Waddle, and thankfully it was the Jets. And Jets got off to a quick start. Dolphins come back, they win that game. Tua makes a mistake. I mean, point being, every game there it really comes down to who is healthiest. Now, when we turn our attention to the actual game Monday night, I know the Saints are decimated, and nobody knows that better than you do as a Saints fan. I know the Saints are down to their third-string quarterback, but I also know that the Saints, and I know Davis, what, Demara Davis is out uh, as far as defense or linebacker, talented player, but when you look at this team playing in the Superdome, playing on a Monday night, playing for your playoff lives, with you know Sean Payton being your guy who, again, he'll right. come up with some sort of weird game plan to make it somehow work, I still don't feel that good that the Dolphins are going to just go into New Orleans and win this game. And again, it goes back to the craziness of the season where so many things just keep on happening. Well, look, I mean, the Saints were largely decimated this past weekend and they beat the Bucs 9 to nothing. And yeah. first time Tom Brady had been shut out. Now, uh, this is where, you know, we kind of do the deep dive because I, I pay way too much attention to the Saints. And also my wife would tell you way too much attention to the Dolphins as well. <laughs> um, so from a Saints perspective, the guys who you're missing, and let's start on the defensive side of the ball first. Defense against the Dolphins offset. Demario Davis is the most irreplaceable player, arguably on their entire team. And certainly on the defense. And, and look, they've had a lockdown corner in Marshawn Lattimore and, and some other guys who are really, really good. Davis is the heart and soul of that team. And he's somebody who I know he's finally started to get some recognition, but he's an elite player. The fact that he's out is a, a massive, massive problem. Mm -hmm. for the They're going to have to find a way to cover for him. Uh, losing, and here's the other one. It's gone under the radar. Losing Malcolm Jenkins for this game. If you went mm -hmm. back to that game against Tampa Bay last weekend, Malcolm Jenkins is the one who was assigned to shutting down your tight end. He's the guy who can do man coverage against your tight end. So Mike Kosicki's sitting there, and it's, I can guarantee you, when the Dolphins found out that Jenkins was going to be out of this game, their game plan, whatever they already had going to Gasicki in this game, they doubled it. And, and look, they have some other guys who can step up, and, and I'm sure Dennis Allen's going to come up with a game plan because he knows you have to slow down Mike Gesicki. But mm -hmm. the two Saints losses on defense uh, among starters, Malcolm Jenkins and Demario Davis, it's going to hurt the Saints a lot given that we know the Dolphins like to attack the middle of the field and especially in the RPO game. 
So, yeah. you know, a lot of what we've seen with Tua Tungabailoa during this stretch is Dolphins are using a lot of RPO stuff and a lot of timing stuff. Well, your linebackers, your safety who's assigned to the tight end, your guys who are playing up front, they better be ready to play and they better know what they're doing. So it's not just losing guys that talented that's yeah. going to hurt the Saints on that side of the ball. It's also losing guys who are that experienced and could have potentially thrown a few things in the mix to, to confuse two in that offense and maybe uh, throw a little bit, <laughs> throw some of the timing off. Tua in a prime time in a Monday night game needs to avoid those mistakes. And when you look at what he's done so far, I mean, he's been great in the stretch, but against the Jets, he was not so great. And that's okay. And I think you and I talked just last podcast about when the people that are kind of the critics of two are going to come out or the next bad game, I can't classify what happened against the jets as a bad game for Tua. He had the two mistakes. One turned into a, a immediate touchdown with the pick six. I thought he bounced back well, but again, in this setting on a Monday night, clay, if Tua finds himself in position where he makes that bad turnover, where he, you know, he, whether it's a pick six or giving the saints good field position, which a guy like Ian book, Ian book making his first start and get first opportunity. That's what you're looking for, right? For the saints is give me something easy from the defense to offense. If Tua makes that kind of mistake, the dolphins are in trouble because I think the saints defense can really force you to those mistakes. And, and I have a lot of faith in Sean Payton being able to take advantage on offense, figuring out a way to, when you get those opportunities, close it out. So a lot will ride on Tua and that's okay. And I think he's ready for that primetime kind of Monday night feel. But it is going to be interesting how he reacts in this type of setting with so much on the line. Well, and and so the, the weird thing with the Saints this year is, for whatever reason, their defense in particular has been dominant on the road, but not so much at home. And it's this weird thing where I, I think the belief is that they rely they do a lot of really complex stuff and they rely on communication and sometimes that communication can be a step off because the crowd is so loud, right? So the, the crowd noise can kind of go both ways. So that's how this, here's how this factors into this. The Saints dome field advantage hasn't been there mm -hmm. as you would expect it to be over the last couple of years. However, in this situation where the team is fighting for its playoff life, where the fans know that they're going to have to be a part of this game. And, and in particular, with the Dolphins offense that is so reliant on timing mm -hmm. and the, 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 the smallest little thing being off could really not just throw Tua off, but also throw the entire offense off. What the Dolphins are going to have to do in this game is make sure that if the Saints do something to take away the quick game and the RPO game and the timing stuff, they better have a second plan of attack. They better find a way. Because I'll tell you what, the one enormous advantage that the Saints are going to have in this game, their defensive line against the, the Dolphins' offensive line is a, a massive mismatch. Match. Mm -hmm. And when you add into the fact that, you know, hopefully Saints fans are able to go to this game, that COVID's not going to be a massive issue, and they're going to be loud, that extra split second, when you're talking about having a defensive line with Cam Jordan, David Onyemata, uh, Marcus Davenport, who when you see bodies flying around, it's yeah. Marcus Davenport. He's a special that. player. So yeah. It's the one thing that we've known all year is the Dolphins' biggest weakness. It may match up against the Saints' biggest strength. And it's the one thing that could really turn this game in the Saints' favor, given the fact that they've yeah. got no offense to speak of in this game.
By the way, though, I will say this: you got to give credit where it's due. The Dolphins' offensive line has been better in the They've last been month. Yes. Or so they have now. They're not yes. where you want them to be. They are still within games, even against the Jets. There are moments where guys will struggle, but the consistency of those struggles has definitely gotten better. I mean, you're you're seeing a team that offensive line that I think gets it at what they're trying to do. And a big reason why is how about you know I think this is going to be the key to the game too. Aside from two avoided mistakes, was the Duke Johnson game just a great story or? Or is this legitimately the guy if the Dolphins found their running back after a season of guys in and out? And again, with, with COVID, it could be a case where we find out before the game that Dukes are the COVID list. And knock on wood, hopefully that's not the case. I don't even say it in jest. I'm not trying to be funny. It's just the way this season has gone. But barring any craziness, was the Duke-Johnson game just a great story for one game, coming back home, playing in front of the fans against a bad team in the Jets? Or... Is Duke Johnson really going to be the running back for the Miami Dolphins down the stretch that could lead them in this playoff push? Well, we'll find out. And, you know, the thing the Saints do first is they will shut down your running game and they force you to, to be one-dimensional. And, you know, you look at the, the stats and the metrics and what they do, they are going to make sure that you don't run the football against them. And so if Duke Johnson, if Duke Johnson goes in there, and, I, I, well, if he runs for 60 yards in this game, that's an enormous win for the Dolphins. And, and that's not just – that's me knowing how the Saints attack because if he's running for 60 yards and he's getting – if he's getting three yards a carry and you're in second and seven, then the Saints can't tee off like they're used to doing. So if, if he goes out there and does half of what he did last weekend, Dolphins are going to win this game. And it's because I, I think what you do in that case is – if Duke Johnson is running the ball, the Saints can't overcommit to stopping your passing. They can't just throw a bunch of guys on the perimeter at the line of scrimmage because you can't have Duke Johnson running free if he gets past the first level. Um, so if he's able to run the ball effectively, it kind of softens up things that the Saints are going to try to to jam the wide receivers uh, and and keep them and throw them off their throw them off their their routes. So yeah, he could be. And if he does this again on Monday night and he goes out there and uh, I would say 60, 65 yards, I think you got yourself a running yeah. back and you certainly had yourself a victory. Yeah, let's not forget, too, with Duke. This is his first 100-yard game in the NFL, the one he had against the Jets the other day. He has been known more as a receiving back. He is a guy that's had 70 receptions in a season, had over 300 in his career. That's been kind of his game in the NFL. He hasn't gotten the opportunity to be a 18-22 carry kind of guy, which the Dolphins used him as against the Jets. Because the Saints have such a good front, which you already highlighted, because you're going to be playing in a, in a game that likely will be close and, and you know, every little minute and second and yard matters, I think the Dolphins will try to ride Duke. But I also think, to your point, I think the Saints are going to make it a focus. To, they know the way to slow down Tua, right? The way to, to get Tua to create a turnover is to make him one-dimensional. If you can take away the ground game and all of it falls on Tua – then all of a sudden, that's where the mistakes may come. And I think that's a good formula for the Saints devising their game plan at Dennis Allen. And look, they've got a talented staff there. They know what they're doing. I think they'll understand what they the, the, the way they attack this Dolphins team. Because despite the six wins in a row, despite the great story of Duke, despite the play of Tua, despite the improved offensive line I just mentioned, this is still a flawed Dolphins team in some areas. This is This is still a work in progress. And it's okay to say that. And still be excited by the fact that, again, they basically control their own playoff destiny going into this game. But to the question on Duke, I think Duke can certainly be the guy. I do. I think Dirk, uh, Duke is, is, is the kind of guy that he has been in the league long enough. That the one thing we saw in that game against the Jets that I loved, Clay, is that Duke 
breaks tackles. Yes. Duke yes. runs angry. Duke doesn't go down on first contact. And I think that's so important for the Dolphins to stay away from the second and 10, second, 11, second and nines to get the second and six, second and seven to have an opportunity to hit the next level. If you could break through, we saw that. And Oh, by the way, we also get saw him with the 20 yard plus reception. He's still a dangerous weapon. It wouldn't shock me if he's more productive on Monday night as a receiving back than he is running. It could be one of those days where he only gets 13 carries for 33 yards but he gets five catches for 50, 60 yards and makes an impact there in key situations. I think the Dolphins have the running back. I think this is the guy moving forward. Obviously, Miles Gaskin you know, is a guy that's that's earned playing time with the way he's played uh, the last couple of years as far as being a dependable guy, but he doesn't really change the game too much. I think Duke, with his consistency, his ability to catch the ball in the backfield, does and I think he's going to be an important factor Monday night and moving forward. Because again, if the Dolphins win this game, Dolphins, those final two games, Tennessee, New England, while on paper they look very difficult, and certainly they are, we we don't know. Like two weeks ago, we didn't know the Saints were going to have 20 guys out for this Monday night game. You right. know, So we just, it's impossible to gauge what is moving forward given what has happened so far in the NFL. But I think to answer that question, yeah, I think Duke is the guy uh, that that's going to be the force for the Dolphins. So, and, and let me put it, let me put a cap on that really quickly uh, relative to this game. We mentioned Mario Davis and Malcolm Jenkins being out. Those are two of the smartest defensive players that I've ever seen play the game, which means they are always in the right gap. They are not guys who are going to miss fit. They're not guys who are going to go. Yeah. So the opportunity for Duke to break a big play against this offense or against this defense because one guy is in the wrong spot. Quan Alexander is a fantastic sideline-to-sideline linebacker. He's really good in coverage. He can blitz like crazy. Sometimes he takes bad angles. Sometimes he hits the wrong gap. Those are the types of linebackers who are going to have to take the plays. Quan would would normally play with Davis anyway, but those Mm -hmm. are the types of players who, if they are in the wrong spot, this game can flip really quickly and Duke can break one. Yeah, I agree. Uh, and I think that's where, again, where when you're talking about so many new players in different positions and different exactly. spots, it, it's just impossible to really gauge the matchup, which, by the way, is on Local 10. Uh, and I want to get into to that. We've got our pregame show coming up at 730 on Monday night for those locally that can watch Local 10. And when you look uh, at what we're going to have, we're going to obviously break this down. But we're going to talk about, too, and I had a, a, an opportunity to talk to Matt Collins, uh, talented special teams player and receiver. And I asked him about Tua and his ability to bounce back. And I, I want to play his answer, Clay, and play off of that because I think it's been great what we've seen from Tua in his ability to bounce back in moments and what makes him special. Yeah. Tua's a guy that puts his work in. And in this league and in this business, you, your, your confidence or your mindset is built on the work that you put in. And he puts in a lot of work, so he's confident in himself. And somebody that is not in the locker room with him or doesn't play with him is not going to build him up or be able to break him down because he's confident in himself and what he's built and what the work that he's put in. Uh, and that's, as a receiver, that's great to see. Uh, mm-hmm. A guy that's not going to flip-flop, a guy that's not having good days, bad days, whenever somebody says he played good or played bad, um, a guy that's consistent and, and you, know, you can build trust in. So that was Matt Collins talking about uh, Tua Tungvaloa, talking about uh, the way that he has been able to bounce back. And this will truly be – his and the Dolphins' biggest test because, Clay, when we looked at this stretch, remember when we looked a month ago and we said, you know, maybe the Dolphins could win three in a row, four in a row. You know, the Giants are terrible. The Jets are terrible. Maybe maybe we could see this team make a little run. 
I think the one game we looked at where we said, and again, this is pre knowing anything about what was going to happen with COVID and the Saints, but the one thing we looked at and the one game we looked at said Monday night football yeah. in New Orleans, in the Superdome with that crowd and what will likely be an important game for the Saints and is an important game. This is probably to his biggest game in the NFL to date. It is a game with meaning. It is a game that is in the spotlight of a national audience, the only game. It is truly the biggest game of the Dolphins season and the biggest game in Tua Blow's uh, young NFL career. Yeah, and if they win this one, the next week becomes the biggest game. And if they win that one, then the following game. And that's kind of where you're at right now. And it's, it's a great thing for Tua. It's a great thing if you're a Dolphins fan because you're essentially like – you're not eliminated if you lose this game, but your chances are, are dropped dramatically. Yep. So you're almost kind of sort of in the playoffs now. Like these are the types of high Who's leverage type situations that you want to where if you win, then the next game becomes bigger than the last. And you're 100% right. And, and uh, you know, what I, what I think is going to be uh, interesting to see is the resiliency that he's shown. And, you know, Matt Collins kind of alluded to this, that because of all the work that he puts in, that he's able to bounce back from some of these mistakes. I don't remember, Will, during this this winning streak, a situation where he's been forced to bounce back in an extremely hostile environment against a defensive line that's going to be teeing off. And let's say you make a mistake and you're all of a sudden one-dimensional. And you're going to have to drop back. And the Saints know what you like to do in the passing game. And a lot of quick mm -hmm. stuff. And they take that away. And then you're forced to go to set your second, your third, your fourth read. Which, by the way, is when we've seen Tua make mistakes. It's not that he, he doesn't read the field well. He, he reads the field extremely well. It's that he can be a hair late with some of these throws when he goes to his second, and, and third, he, and he breath. can't, he can't against this defense. He cannot. No, no. No. Cause one of two things is going to happen. You're going to throw a pick or he's going to be on his back. And you know, that's where the type of resiliency he's shown to this point. If he does that again in this game, it kind of grows the confidence. It, it grows the legend of two one step further because you can no longer write it off as, ah, yeah, well he did it at home. Yeah. Well, he did it against the jets. Yeah. Well, he did it. No, man. And, and this is the same team that obviously, I mean, you and I could probably go out there and play receiver or quarterback at this point, but the defense is still going to be an extremely tough challenge for yeah. Tua. And if he's able to bounce back in that sort of situation, if it happens in the, now, obviously you prefer it just not to happen at all, but if he is able to bounce back in this game, in this situation mm -hmm. with those pass rushers coming at him, then I think you start to feel like, the resiliency maybe that he's shown against lesser teams and lesser yeah. defenses, it's now built up the confidence to where he can do it in a playoff-type setting. I think the biggest thing in this game for two is that he gets Jalen Waddle back. You know, yeah. and I think we saw yeah. him really miss Waddle in that Jets game. Again, he made a couple ugly mistakes. He actually, I should, he made a couple that turned into mistakes, interceptions, but he made more than a couple of mistakes. He made some really bad throws in that game, one that turned into a pick six. But I think part of it really was – that, that security blanket that Jalen Waddle has become, I mean, it's incredible. Whenever Tua needs a play, he gets it to Waddle, even if it's three, four yards out, and it turns into a seven-yard gain on a third and five. It turns into a seven-yard game on a first and ten, and now you've got a second and manageable. Those are plays that Tua was missing against the Jets that I think, you know, obviously become a factor on Monday night, but I, I will say this about the Saints. Again, I go back to their defense, their game planning. They know this. You know, I, I think if you're Dennis Allen, if you're the Saints – you know, while Duke Johnson is important, I think the running back doesn't matter too much to the Saints because they believe in their front so much. I think the guy that you look at, you say, to yourself, okay, Latimer, whoever the case may be, 
get that guy, get Jalen Waddle, and make sure he's not the guy who turns the five-yard play into the 30-yard play and who extends drives. How many drives have we seen in this month plus the Dolphins have been hot where Jalen Waddle extends a drive, gets him in the field goal range or into good field position on a quick slant, on a quick play, obviously getting into the end zone a few times. I think that really will help Tua, but we also know the Saints are very aware of that. It's not like they're going to be like, oh, who's that number 17 guy? He's pretty good. I mean, they're going to focus their game plan defensively on trying to slow down Jalen Waddle. Well, and so here's a perfect uh, example. A perfect comparison was the game that you went to, the Giants and Saints, a game that the Giants won in the Superdome. And the way the Giants were able to win that game was – you know, they hit on a couple of big plays, which is what you have to do against this defense. You're not going to dink and dunk down the field. Mm-hmm. However, they hit Kadarius Tony on a lot of these quick hitters, and it was a lot of timing stuff, and it's the stuff that the Dolphins do well. Now, I think the difference is that, like you just mentioned, the Saints have film now on how the Dolphins use Jalen Watt, and mm-hmm. they're going to do whatever they can to slow him down. They didn't really have film on how the Giants use Kadarius Tony because – they didn't use him. By the yeah, way, Bailey breaking play, news yeah, here, I'm seeing that Quan Alexander is now on the COVID list for the Saints. As so, we tape, as we tape, guys are getting COVID. And by the way, I wouldn't doubt if that if there's more to come tomorrow. And by the way, it could work the other way. You could get a Dolphins player. Again, we had two that we but, saw I mean, more on the list those, on Sunday. Well, those are the, these are impactful. These are impactful losses. These are guys who, you know, I'll, I'll always remember when, you know, a few years ago when the Dolphins – had some significant issues on defense and they kept giving up big plays and it was really bizarre and nobody could figure out why. And one thing Cam Wake said over and over again that made perfect sense. He said, look, there is no defense that is designed to give up a 50 yard play. If you're giving up a 50 yard play, it's because there was a break somewhere. Well, you know, when you're having to replace all these guys on defense, like the saints are, it's not just that the talent drops off. It's that you're putting guys out there who are less experienced which means they are more prone to making mistakes. And those are the types of mistakes that the Dolphins are going to have to capitalize on in this game. So, you know, we'll have more time to process this thing um, moving forward. But, uh, you know, going back to the Jalen Waddell thing, the the Saints, Marshawn Lattimore is – he's a shutdown corner. I mean, he's Mm -hmm. he's everything you ask for. One of the best. He's better against bigger receivers. He's – you know, he – he eats Mike Evans' lunch whenever they play. It's always um, a fun matchup, yeah. But if you had to put him on Antonio Brown, Antonio Brown, it'd be a real problem. You try to put him on Kadarius Tony, it wouldn't work. So, so you think on Jalen Waddle? How do they cover Jalen Waddle then? I wouldn't surprise me one bit if you either you put Lattimore out there and you ask him to jam, or you put they've got a bigger corner in Paulson Adebo and you put him out there and you just say, look. Be physical with him. We're going to give you help over the top if he gets by you. But do not let him slip you at the line of scrimmage. Do not let him get that step off your jam. And look, if you jam and you miss, whatever. We're going to have somebody there waiting for you. But you cannot let him get a free release because of a lack of effort. And and that's the that's the thing that I think when you're looking at the Dolphins offense, it has been so much it, during this successful run, it's been based on RPO. It's been based on quick hitters. It's been based on, you know, you're you're respecting that speed at the line so you don't get beat deep, but that opens up things underneath. And so yeah. if you're the Saints, if I'm the Saints and I'm going into this game, I would prefer to force the Dolphins to try to beat me deep and let my safeties get. I'm not going to give you that underneath stuff. I'm not going to just – I'm going to have my big corners, your you know, Paulson Adebos. You're, mm-hmm. you're going to get up there and you're going to jam guys at the line of scrimmage to make things uncomfortable for Tua, throw off the timing of that offense, because I would rather him make a play off script, which he can do, but he's less likely to do 
than he is to 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 chew you apart going down the field with the timing stuff they're so good at. Uh, let's spend the last couple of minutes looking at the flip side of that. We keep going, kind of forgetting that Ian Book is making the start. I mean, he's a third string practice squad quarterback for a reason. And I know yep. he had some success at Notre Dame. And I know he's a guy Canes fans remember from a few years ago. Uh, Sean Payton seems to have liked this kid coming out of Notre Dame. And, and, and as far as the type of QB that could fit the mold of his offense. But if you're the Dolphins defense, I mean, you're salivating. I mean, a young quarterback. If you're Xavier Howard, who just made another Pro Bowl team. If you're out there, you're Javon Holland, who's ball hawking and the safety, you know, kind of looking for that mistake and reading the quarterback's eyes. You're thinking to yourself, man, this is the kind of game where we can make a play and get a pick six and cause a turnover to change field position and help out Tua Tagovailoa and our offense and put them in position in what is a tough atmosphere in the Superdome. That's probably more so to me. If Tua can avoid the big mistakes, which you talked about earlier, if you can get something comfortable out of Duke Johnson in the ground attack, Miles Gaskin, whatever you can get there. But I feel like the Dolphins can have the kind of game where they can hold the Saints to under 17 points. And if you do that, I think you can win a 20 to 14, 17, 14 type of game. Sure. And look, here's the thing about Ian Book. And, and you, at this point, all we have on him film wise is going back to the preseason. They did not do full field reads for him. And so it was a lot of rolling the pocket. It was a lot of, hey, you know, go to your first read. And if it's not there, either take off take the check down, whatever it happens to be. And the thing about the Saints versus Dolphins in the first place, I don't care who's playing quarterback, without Michael Thomas, mm-hmm. you don't have a single receiver that's going to beat who's the any of these Dolphins. Who's, who are the Saints receivers, by the way? Who no one. I, no yeah. one. I, I mean, look, Marquez Callaway was a guy who I think they, they felt really good about heading into the season. Honestly, Deontay Harris, who's five foot six, was their best and most productive and most consistent receiver this year. He got suspended a couple of weeks ago. Uh, for something that happened in the offseason. So those the, I can't tell you right now who are the players that are going to be able to, to make yeah. these plays. Now, well, Alvin Kamara. Well, and that's the thing. I mean, that, so I don't think there isn't a single player on their roster that even if they were healthy, uh, you know, taking Deontay Harris out of the mix, they could beat any of the Dolphins' cornerbacks. Like, there's nobody who's going to beat Xavier Howard. There's nobody that's going to beat Byron Jones. And, and honestly, if somebody gets by, there's no one who's going to beat Javon Holland. So... I expect to see a lot of maybe throws to the fullback. And, you know, their their first string tight end is out, Adam Troutman. So they're not going to be able to use him in the passing game. So what I think you're going to see a lot of is run, 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 run. And and Alvin Kamara is something that I know, think, I know people know he's good, but I don't think people realize just how good he is. But we saw last week when the defense knows that you don't have anybody else. Look what Tampa did to him to shut him down. And the other issue that they had last week was Taysom Hill, for whatever reason, has no chemistry with Alvin Kamara in the passing game. Maybe Ian Book and Kamara have been able to work together. Maybe they'll have the ability to kind of run those choice routes. That's where I think the Dolphins could have some issues is, you know, with your linebackers having to be ISOed on Alvin Kamara. Mm-hmm. Although, who knows, maybe they throw a corner down on them because the receivers are so bad. I mean, if, if that's your option, why not throw uh, – uh, why not put X or Jones or some one of those guys rolling around there? I mean, that's so, the guy you've got to stop. Yes. So, I would expect, Will, there is nobody – there is no receiver for the Saints that, that scares you at all. None. Um, so, you know, you're, you're basically going to ask Xavier Howard and Byron Jones, look, just do your thing. Just, just go out there and – we're going to let you man those guys because we don't believe that they can beat you anyway. Which basically gives you nine guys then to focus on Ian Book, who we know is can run the ball. I mean, he's a guy who's mobile. 
Um, and when he rolls out of the pocket, then, you know, you, you want to have somebody there to spy and then make sure that you can slow him down. But it's focus on Alvin Kamara. Don't let him I mean, beat that's you. It. Don't that's let Mark it. Ingram beat you. That's it. Um, you know, the, the Saints are going to try the best they can to run some screen stuff. They're going to try the best they can to run the football. That's the only way they're going to win this game. And oh, by the way, that's really hard when you're missing and, the entire offensive line too. Again, and turnovers. I think the Saints game plan, and every every team wants turnovers. I mean, that changes games in, in every aspect and from peewee football. I mean, you turn the ball over, you're going to lose the game normally. I think the Saints game plan is try to make things tough on Tua. Try to give Ian Book good field position and go with your veterans and Camaro, the playmaker, Ingram, the steady guy, and just kind of win one of those knock them out, grind it out. 13 10 17 10 13, nine to nothing. seven yeah nine nothing type of games which i think we both agree this will likely be i don't expect many points i don't expect this to be 31 27 i th- i think the more points obviously in the dolphins favor i mean if the dolphins can score points i feel with good them winning because i i don't think the saints are going to have much on offense i don't so if they can avoid the turnover speaking of the dolphins i think they have a good opportunity to win this game which a month ago sounded crazy to me i mean going to the superdome in a, in a must win type of situation and winning against the saints on monday night football that sounded crazy to me it's not so crazy anymore so clay uh, let's wrap it up monday night for those of you locally 7:30 you and i have our countdown to kickoff show leading up to the game for those that are going to watch it and can watch it on local 10 we'll preview the show i already referenced mac collins clay you've got a piece on 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 tua correct looking at yeah and at- just just how polarizing he is and uh, you know it's funny because had Taysom hill played in this game you basically would have had perhaps the two most polarizing players in the That's NFL true. for various reasons. Yeah. Um, you know, Taysom, because nobody thinks that he should be a quarterback, which even Sean Payton doesn't think he should, given his actions. Um, and and Tua Tungavailoa, who people always kind of want him, want him to show something that he hasn't instead yeah. of appreciating him for who he is and what yeah. he has shown. Um, so yeah. just a little bit on how, how polarizing he is. And we've had a little fun with that. We've, yeah. we've dug through some of the, some of the hot takes. Yeah, by the way, and we'll have a story on the, on these lays that I talked about earlier. There's a reason uh, this is for charity, for the Tua Foundation. So there's a reason I wore it for half the podcast because they were kind enough to send it to me, and it's for Tua Foundation, so it's for a good reason. So, again, we've got that kind of to kick off at 7.30 on Monday night, the game here on Local 10. We appreciate listening, subscribing to the podcast. The Clay Ferrero Super Bowl uh, has turned into kind of a toilet bowl. But whatever the case may be, they're going to throw some players out there and make it work, Clay. So I got my jersey, man. I got my jersey. I, hey, you need me to go out there. I'm tall. I can't run. Do you have an Archie Manning jersey? What do you I got? I can't on? block because I'm too skinny. I, you know, how about this? I can punt, except that I can't kick. So I don't really know okay. what. Good I am. Listen, at this point though, they may be calling you because even during sure. a live, even during a podcast taping, they had guys go on the COVID list. But anyways, we'll see. Yep. We'll see everybody on Monday night on local 10, 7:30. Countdown to kickoff. We appreciate you listening, subscribing to Miami Sports Podcast.